Welcome to Sunstorm, where we get real about what's happening in the world and what we're doing about it, because we are the light in the storm. Hi, this is Ai-jen Poo. And this is Alicia Garza. And today, my homies, we are going to go in on a topic that is near and dear to our hearts over here at Sunstorm. And that topic is caregiving. So before we dive into this whole thing, it's probably helpful for people to know what do we mean when we're talking about caregiving? It's such a huge kind of topic. So I didn't, you've been doing this work for 105 years. So when you talk to people and they're like caregiving, like what does that mean? What do you usually say? Well, when I think of caregiving, I think about the energy and work that goes into raising children Mm -hmm. and supporting our loved ones with disabilities to live independently, to take care of the growing older population, Mm -hmm. ensuring that our parents and our grandparents who raised us and gave us so much can actually age with dignity. Mm-hmm. The life force that goes into caring for our families across the lifespan mm-hmm. is how I define caregiving. That's really smart. So can you remember a time when you've had to provide care? I was raised by my grandparents, so they're very special to me. And my grandmother, she just turned 94 wow, recently. 94, come yeah. through, gangster. I know. <laughs> um, she really actually took good care of herself Mm -hmm. for her whole life and was really healthy. And then about a year ago, she had a stroke Mm. and started to become much more frail, much less mobile. And a lot of her functions kind of started to decline, including dementia Mm. setting in. Oh my gosh. And it was also right around the time that my mom retired. And Mm. so my mom became her full-time caregiver Now she actually has supports from home care workers Mm -hmm. as well. But just the whole process of seeing my grandmother need a lot more support. Mm -hmm. Um, And then watching my mom really come into this role as a caregiver and just how difficult it is, even though we're all here for Mm -hmm. her. And even though she has the support of home care workers and neighbors and my sister who lives really nearby, it's just really hard. It is. It's like, it's a job, but it's also a very emotional connection. Any given point in our lives, we are going to give care and we're going to need care. And that's just the reality of the world. And, you know, I've been working with you for so long, Ai-jen, and you have been talking to me about caregiving and the aging boom and the fact that every eight seconds in this country, somebody turns 65 and doesn't have access to the things that they need to live out the rest of their lives in dignity. But it really hit home for me two years ago when my mom passed away. That's right. Yeah, she was diagnosed with a very rare form of brain cancer. She was super healthy. I'd never seen my mom sick ever. And all of a sudden, she started acting weird. And literally, it was seven weeks from diagnosis to death. And I got a firsthand look at what caregiving in this country really means because it happened to my family too. Yeah. What was that like for you, that experience? You know, when you have somebody that you care about and love who gets sick and needs care, the only thing you want to do is be present for it. 
you just think a lot about how can I make sure that they have everything that they need, but you're also having to hold all of these different components, having to hold caring for the rest of the family, having to navigate doctors and hospitals and insurance and money. It's really just like a huge whirlwind. And when I look back on it now, there were so many things that were in place that made it possible for me to care for my mother and for our family to be present for my mom. But I also, at that time and now, think a lot about how many people don't have access to the things that I had access to. At least I know for myself, being the child and now having to step into a role of a parent for my parent was really difficult. And I wonder, do you think that that's something that is common in this country when things like that happen in families? It's so common now. It's also a reflection of how our families are changing. Mm -hmm. People are living longer than ever before mm -hmm. because of how healthcare has changed in this country. And the baby boom generation is aging. Mm -hmm. And it's this huge generation that's been so defining of our culture. It's now about 10,000 people turn 75 every single day. Wow. So that my grandmother's generation of 85 and older is the fastest growing segment wow. of our population in this country. So there's just a ton of people who are trying to figure out how to support that generation, that piece of our population, that part of our families to live well as they age and become more frail. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of people are also having children later. Mm -hmm. And so we have a whole like tens of millions of people in this thing called the sandwich generation. Mm, and they're just me like hungry. smushed between the, <laughs> pressure of <laughs> managing care for our parents and our children. And it's like this new-ish phenomenon. And we're trying to figure out how to handle it with almost no support because our infrastructure used to rely on women just staying at home and taking care of family members. And that's just not been the reality forever. And so people are having to piece it together and mm -hmm. scramble and figure it out however they can. Mm -hmm. And most people don't have a lot of choices because care is actually really expensive. Well, let's talk that through a little bit because I know when my mom was diagnosed, of course, I like went hauling ass up to where she lived and we had gone to her doctor's appointment together her doctor was like, okay, I see masses here. Now it's time to kind of transfer her to a brain surgeon. And then I left the appointment and I was like, how am I supposed to find a brain surgeon? So of course I'm like on Google brain surgeon and I'm looking through all these people and I'm like, I don't know how to even pull apart. Like who's who and what kind of insurance do they take? And do I need to call every single person? And then you call them and they're like booked up for months and months and months. And yet you have a loved one who is in crisis and needs support then. It's like, that's just one example of all of the hurdles that people go into. And I wonder if you can talk a little bit about why is this so chaotic? Like, we know that we have this acceleration of people who are of advanced age and are going to need care or need care right now. And yet there isn't the infrastructure to support that boom. So can you talk to me a little bit about like, why have we not gotten prepared? Why is it so chaotic when these are trends that we've known about for a while now? I think it's because caregiving has forever been associated with women, mm. right? And we live in a world that has valued 
the lives and contributions of women less mm -hmm. and really even like accounted for them less. Like a lot of what we do ends up being invisible mm -hmm. or made invisible, mm -hmm. right? Even though it powers everything else. Like what is more fundamental than taking care of families, mm -hmm. right? Raising children or taking care of our parents. And if you think about it, we define infrastructure as like the stuff that makes everything else mm -hmm. possible in our economy. It's like the kind of the... It's the skeleton. It's the skeleton. Mm -hmm. It's the groundwork for everything else. And caregiving is infrastructure. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. human infrastructure mm -hmm. too. It's the women. It's the men now. More and more men are doing it. And it's the professionals who have supported our families all these years, but we've never invested in it the way that you're supposed mm -hmm. to invest in infrastructure. We've never taken care of our caregivers. Mm -hmm. And now that's totally untenable. Mm -hmm. Like we're in a place where we need more care than ever before. And the people that we're counting on to take care of our families can't sustain either as family members because they're having to go out and work mm -hmm. um, or as professionals because they're so undervalued and mm -hmm. underpaid. The whole thing is just like, it's like the ground underneath us is falling apart. And that's the opportunity is actually mm -hmm. to invest. Like the way that we invest in infrastructure is like, actually let's build a care economy and a caregiving infrastructure or system that really does support our lives and our families in this moment mm -hmm. in this country. So basically what you're telling me is that caregiving is a feminist issue. Yes. Okay. Just making totally sure we're is. clear. It's a feminist issue and it's also an everything issue. Mm -hmm. It's like fundamental to everyone's Everything. life. So what can we do about this crisis? Um, because, you know, this crisis, obviously, no pun intended, is man-made. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> And so if it's man-made, then it means that we can undo it. So tell me, what have you cooked up to help us deal with the chaos that is the caregiving crisis in this country? It's a really complex problem that has pretty simple solutions. Mm -hmm. On the one hand, if we just had more conversations, not in a time of crisis, mm -hmm. like in everyday life, about how we want to take care of mm -hmm. each other, especially mm -hmm. as we age. Mm -hmm. If we had more proactive conversations about that, it would make a huge difference. It's so then we true. could actually have a plan. It's so true. And you know what? When my mom was dying, I had no idea what she wanted. And by the time we got around to the conversation, she like couldn't talk. So wow, that would have been really profound. And then the other thing we can do is like really look out for our caregivers. Mm -hmm. Like people like my mom, people mm -hmm. like the home care worker who supports my mom let's lift them up. They're like the unsung sheroes and heroes of our families and of our economy. Like, how do we support them? Can I just tell you an awesome story? Yes. My partner, his grandmother is 96 as of November of last year. She's told us that she plans to live to 100, which is great news for the whole family. <laughs> and a few years ago, uh, my partner's mom and dad moved in with the grandma. We call her Grandma Betty 
aka G Money. So mom and dad moved in with G Money to make sure that she had round the clock care because her mind is sharp as a tack. She has beat pretty much everything. She's had cancer like 12 times and she's beat it every time. But every single time she gets a little weaker and a little weaker. So mom and dad move in and dad works. Mom became her full-time caregiver and it was actually really exhausting. She told me the other day while we were together at the holidays that she started going to this caregiver support group. Now, I do kind of talk about my work, but like not a lot. And I certainly didn't give her any referrals to this group. But the group is actually organized by the National Domestic Workers Alliance. And she goes to the support group and she gets tips on how to take care of herself, how to pace herself. She gets to be in a room with mostly women who are also taking care of loved ones and they get to swap and exchange tips with each other. And she literally told me like less than a month ago that it completely changed her life. And she was like, I always knew you were a badass, but the work you're doing is so important. Ah. And I was like, let me call it. But also it was a holiday and I was like, let me leave her alone. That's amazing. What if we had those all over the country? I think we should. Why don't we have them? I mean, we need to. And don't you think that the government should support that? The government is actually, I want to talk about that for a second because this is a problem, especially mm-hmm. the affordability of care uh-huh. that we can't solve alone. And this is where the last piece of the solution mm-hmm. to this crisis is about policy mm-hmm. because there's no way when 70% of working people who make less than $50,000 a year. That's insane. I'm in, sorry. In, no, no, I can't. In this country today. Less than what? $50,000 a year. And all of us know childcare. Those of you who have kids out there know it's expensive. So <laughs> yeah. the average cost of childcare is at least $9,000 per year. And then elder care. The average cost of a private room in a nursing home is more than $100,000 a year. Yo, I know this because I had several heart attacks over that seven weeks with my mom. And I was like, how are we going to pay for this every single time? The last stage when she was going into hospice, we got her into this really excellent facility. And of course, I'm nervous because I know that they're going to tell me, obviously, this costs money. We're not just going to like do this out of the generosity of our hearts. Like, And the woman told me this room is $11,000 a week. A week? A week, my homie, a week. And I was like, who can pay for that? Um, what? <laughs> I was like, excuse me, you mean $11,000 a week. And so I was like, so basically, are we just supposed to like, try to like hurry her up? Because that's really expensive. What if she lives for six weeks? What if she lives for two weeks? Like $22,000 or like $66,000? This is what I mean. It's like, there's no way that people can afford. Yeah. The cost of care in this country alone. Correct. The way we can do it is actually if we pool our resources. Mm. And that's the idea. Kind of like social security or something like that. Exactly. Hmm. The idea is universal family care. Come through. Yes, UFC. The idea that we should have one fund that we all contribute to from the time we get our first job. That we can all benefit from that helps us pay for child care elder care and paid family leave. Wow. Including support for people with disabilities. Yeah. It's basically everything you need to care for your families while you're working. Mm-hmm. It's a simple idea, but it's a game changer. It's profound. 
that would change so many people's lives. And let me tell you how it would have changed mine. The thing that people don't understand is how much the cost of care is actually like a huge driver of inequality because mm-hmm. people get into so much debt mm-hmm. trying to afford care. Oh my God. You can work your whole life and have a savings and it'll be gone in a second. Literally, I just told care. you $11,000 a week. So say I saved $60,000, that would have been gone in five weeks. But if we pooled the risks associated with the cost of care, we could actually afford to take care of our families. So one thing that I think is like at the heart of this is that we don't think about caregiving as a problem that we need to solve together as a collective issue in need of a collective solution, Mm -hmm. right? We think about it as like a personal burden or responsibility. Like, and if we can't figure it out, it's like, we're a bad daughter mm-hmm. or we failed or we're a bad parent. Enough. Oh my gosh. Right? Here come all the racist stereotypes. I'll be honest. When I first came to the Domestic Workers Alliance, I was like, this seems like it's an issue that maybe just primarily affects white people. And then I was like, wait a minute though. Let's rewind the tape because we talk all the time about how there's a what we call a racial wealth gap, right? So um, everybody has heard that statistic that women make 80 cents to every dollar that men make. But of course, that's white women that make 80 cents to the dollar that white men make. But then when you look at women of color, when you look at black women, it's like 64 cents. When you look at Latinx women, it's like 56 cents. When you look at indigenous women or women from the Asian diaspora, right? It goes lower and lower and lower. And so imagine, right? Like if I'm already making less money in the economy and I need to figure out how to save for the inevitable, which it's not like saving for my retirement so I can go on a nice cruise. It's like actually saving for a moment where I'm gonna need some care. Well, the rate of return is gonna go much slower because I'm making 40 cents less, right? Than white men are making every single day. So I'm not even gonna be able to stack enough chips to be able to have a basic foundation to be able to provide the care I need or get the care I need. So how do we think about that in relationship to our movement? You know, we might be really passionate about our thing, right? Like I became super passionate about caregiving in a whole different way Um, when my mom got sick and when she passed away. Other people are really focused on climate change and they're just like, that's the most important thing to me. But all of these issues are like intertwined in so many ways. Totally. Let's talk about that. Like, why should somebody who really cares about workers' rights be caring about caregiving? Why should somebody who really cares about reproductive justice be caring about caregiving? And even why should somebody who cares about disability justice really be focused on making sure that we have universal family care? climate change and work are both great examples of how this issue affects everything. Right now, there's a lot of talk, especially now that we're in this presidential cycle, there's a lot of conversation about the future of jobs and work. And, you know, you and I have been trying to make jobs better, especially for women and women of color forever, Mm -hmm. because we know that 
two thirds of all minimum wage jobs are held by women. So women are the ones who are working incredibly hard and still stuck in poverty. That's right. And the reality is, is that we don't know what the future of work is going to look like because technology is kind of changing everything. You Mm -hmm. might've heard like people talk about robots coming and taking the jobs. Like those things at the grocery store. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. Why? What happened to the cashier at the CVS? (laughs) Like, no, I don't need to get the line that fast and I don't know how to scan a barcode. Right. But it's happening everywhere in our economy. So there's a lot of uncertainty, but one thing we know for sure is that care jobs are going to be around forever, or at least for the foreseeable future. These are jobs that you can't like outsource to a different country. That's right? true. You can't be like, Siri, tuck me into bed. Siri doesn't do that. <laughs> no. You can't be like, Siri, am I taking the right amount of medication? Because Siri can't see you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There's not going to be a robot, right? Taking care of us. That's right. Um, at least for the foreseeable future either. And so these are jobs that are going to be here to stay. And right now they're jobs that earn about $15,000 a year. That's bonkers. That's bonkers. It's crazy. And it's mostly women of color and low income women all over the country struggling. And we're losing some of our best caregivers to other professions like fast food and retail because people People can't make a living. Yeah. People trying to make ends meet. Imagine if we invested in these jobs becoming really good jobs that you could support your family on and like your kids could go to college and you could buy a house someday. And I mean, all the things that everybody wants, like if we could make those jobs, good jobs, it could be so game changing Mm -hmm. for so many issues of access to housing, access to healthcare, access to so many things, basic things that we fight for every day. Oh my gosh. It's all the things. It's all the things. And a lot of people are really passionate about climate change Talk about low carbon jobs. <laughs> wow. You know? Yeah. This is a part of the economy we actually want to nurture. That's right. And this writer named Naomi Klein, she talks about moving from an extractive dig and gig economy, which is kind of where we are, mm-hmm. right? We're like extracting things from the earth. Everything's moving to a giggy kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And at like based economy. At based economy, <laughs> but also very unstable. Mm-hmm to a care and repair economy, Mm. right? Dig and gig to care and repair. Oh, I love that. And I love that because it is about what are the kind of jobs, what's the economy look like of the future that doesn't blow up this planet? How do we leave the planet intact for our kids and our grandkids? This whole part of our economy is a big part of the solution if we invest in it. So I know our listeners are super revved up about this. I know I am, and we deal with this every single day. But for folks who are out here listening and maybe are hearing about this for the first time or we're helping you make sense of the experience that you've had, you're probably wondering, what can I do about this? This is a massive crisis and somebody's got to do something. Somebody's got to do something. We're here for you, boo. What can people do to change what's going on right now? Well, for those of you who are caregivers, and I know you're out there listening because so many of us are in the thick of this right now, we know you don't have a lot of time because you got a lot on your plate. But there's this organization called Caring Across Generations that is moving solutions in your state and also all over the country. And we're trying to win universal family care. And your stories, your experiences are a huge part of how we're going to win. So sign up at caringacross.org and get involved. Go to caringacross.org. And so you're probably asking, 
wait, you just want me to tell my story, but you know what? Your story is really important because in order to change what's happening on a policy level, it has to feel like there's a groundswell of support and it's got to feel like this is something that everybody is dealing with. So the more stories that we're able to collect about the experiences that people are having caregiving, the better policy we can get. We're basically like a sleeping giant in this country. There's like about 100 million of us who are in the middle of this caregiving crisis. What an incredible force if we actually got together as one. We're like a caring majority. Ooh, what? (laughs) I like that. We have the power to win universal family care and so much more. Okay, well, here's to a tyranny of the majority because we need a lot of change in the area of caregiving. Care supports, people accessing care, and also the people who are giving care being able to care for their loved ones as well. Universal family care. Represent. So if you needed a motivator for why and how to get involved, hopefully this was one of them. I'm Alicia Garza. And I'm Ai-Jen Poo. And you've been listening to Sunstorm. Hey, represent. Tell all your peoples about Sunstorm because we are going to keep having conversations like this about the issues that matter most to you and pulling back the curtain on how you can be the sun in the storm that is this country right now. Find us anywhere you download podcasts, including Apple, Spotify, and Google. And best part, homies, it's free 99. Free 99? Free 99. Amazing. (laughs) Also, tweet us, DM us. Talk to us about your caregiving experiences. What's it like for you to be trying to hold all the pieces of your life together? And what kinds of supports could you need to make your life a little bit easier? Hit us up again at caringacross.org or tweet us, IG us, send me a video, tell me your caring story and tell me why you are a part of the caring majority. Toodaloo. Bye. Sunstorm is a project of the National Domestic Workers Alliance in collaboration with Participant. Sunstorm is executive produced by Alicia Garza, Ai-Jen Poo, Christina Mevs-Apgar, and Jess Morales-Riquetto. Sunstorm is produced by Amy S. Choi and Rebecca Lara of the Mashup Americans. Producers are Jocelyn Gonzalez, Shelby Sandlin, Mary Philip Sandy, and Mia Warren. Original music composed by Jen Kwok and Jody Shelton. You can send those stories right over to at Sunstorm Pod. You can IG us. That is it. Fuck it. That's it. That's That's how you got it. (laughs) 